Meet Reed Lance Rosenthal, rancher, number one best-selling, award-winning author, and unabashedly, unapologetically on the right side of the outstanding issues of our generation. But don't try to fence him in. Sometimes his positions will surprise you, because Reed is definitely his own man, with his own opinions. You might love him, you might hate him, but you won't be able to stop listening. Step over to the right side with Reed. Howdy listeners from coast to coast, the Gulf to Canada, and around the globe. This is Reed Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side Radio, first week of June. My, how time is flying when you're having fun. So today, we are going to go over, finally, the beginnings of a long story on the Chinese Belt and Road Initiative. Why are we doing this? Because it plays into the dollar, and it plays into the West versus the East, and it plays into the BRICS nation's currency versus the old fiat currencies of the West, the euro and the dollar. And it plays into world power, and it plays into possible military conflict. And it's also an example of how the United States being a bully, taking Russia's $600 billion, confiscating its other assets, driving countries into the arms of the BRICS nations because they're worried about their dollar reserves being taken if they do something that Cadaver and Obama and Soros and Blinken, the morons that run the country, don't like. It's a really big deal, this Belt and Road Initiative. And today we're just going to talk about it in general terms, kind of a little history of it, what it really is, because you've heard about it, but nobody really explains it to you. I mean, it's like, you know, oh, yeah, that thing that China's doing. Yeah, well, that thing that China's doing is really a big thing, and it's going to affect us in all sorts of ways, some pleasant, some very unpleasant. And then I'm going to give you a little, a titillator, if you will, a, a little teaser on your history show next week, right? And that's going to be the economy, the history of recessions in the United States, what caused them, what happened, and why am I going to be doing that? Well, it kind of ties into the Chinese Belt and Road Initiative, because everything is interconnected, and the government is lying to you about what's happening with this economy, period, on every level and in every way, shape, and form. I'm just going to give you some teasers today, but you'll find next week's show fascinating, along with kind of the next little installment of the Belt and Road, because I could spend months just doing Belt and Road. And what I want to do is kind of bringing up to speed slowly so that you fully understand what's happening on the other side of the globe and how it affects this side of the globe and your house and your finances and your security and your liberty and everything else. And then, of course, we'll have the rest of the story because all this, the debt ceiling nonsense, the history of recessions, China's Belt and Road Initiative. They're all tied in, folks. Everything is interdependent on something else, inextricably intertwined. And I have a huge rat-a-tat-tat for you today covering all sorts of subjects, some of which tie in, in fact, to the things we've talked about already today. Let's get started. And shame on me. I didn't wish you a happy Memorial Day. I hope you had a great one and you remembered what this day is about. The last generation of soldiers, in my mind, have passed the torch to the people of the United States. And it is not so much freedom around the world that we now have to protect. It's freedom right here at home, which is under attack internally. So you ought to think about that. Are you going to pick up that torch? Are you going to carry it? 
All right, let's talk about, and I think it's kind of right in line, the founder's quote, right? The founder's quote is Alexander Hamilton again. I'm kind of fond of him right now. Quote, a fondness for power is implanted in most men, and it is natural to abuse it when acquired, unquote. Hmm, yeah, doesn't require much thought, does it? It's playing out before your eyes everywhere on every level. Let's talk about our rant story, which... Given the volume of information I needed to get to you last week, we kind of ignored much to everybody's consternation out there from the emails I got. So, you know, we have we have this new head gate that we installed. went like a charm. Uh, it's working even better than anticipated. I mean, when it's shut, there isn't a drop of water getting out of one reservoir to the next to feed the next level of irrigation or tier of irrigation on the ranch. But it's taking some getting used to. You know, if you think about a culvert that is 30 inches wide, one inch across the breadth of that culvert is a pile of water, particularly with the pressure of a reservoir behind it. And so we're kind of adjusting as we go and kind of learning how it works. We put a crank on it. It's like the crank that you use to ratchet up a boat onto a trailer off a lake. So we've been figuring out how each click kind of moves the plate which allows more or less water out. And it's really kind of a thing of constant adjustment as we learn this. And of course, everything you do at that head gate affects everything downstream. So it's really a set of constant adjustments all the way down the water line. But we're kind of getting it tuned in right now. We're getting a pretty good feel of what happens at one click and three clicks, which is a quarter turn, or a full click, which is a lot of water or a lot less water, as the case may be. And the moral of the story is... When you have a grand plan, and the grand plan works, don't hesitate to do the little polishes, to make the little adjustments, to make it work even better. And understand what's going right and going wrong with the grand plan so masterfully implemented, so that the results that you originally wanted are achieved exactly as you want them over a period of time. Let's talk about the Belt and Road Initiative. First of all, the belt, everybody kind of scratches their head. What is this? The belt is all the land infrastructure improvements China has planned for basically the entire planet. And the road part of the initiative is the maritime trade routes. So belt is land, road is maritime. And basically what China is doing is they're going back in history. How clever, you know, one of the things that we ought to be doing here in the United States. And they're saying, you know, in the old times, and it was camels and donkeys and mules and foot traffic and horses, this was the trade routes between Europe and Asia and other countries, kingdoms, and continents. And we're going to reestablish that, but we're going to triple down on it, and we're going to reestablish it in modern terms. This was originally announced by Qi, the leader of China, in 2013 in Indonesia and some of its neighbors. And it's called the Silk Road Economic Belt, which is really overland routes for road and rail transportation through the landlocked Central Asian countries and regions along those historical trade routes of the Western regions of Asia. And he's expanded into Southeast Asia, South Asia, the Middle East, and Africa, right? All resource-rich areas. Hmm, I guess that was by design. And includes infrastructure investments in ports and skyscrapers and railroads and roads and bridges and airports and dams and coal-fired power stations. The initiative was actually incorporated into the Constitution of China in 2018. That's how key they think it is. And the project has a target completion date of 2049, which, by the way, coincides with the centennial of the People's Republic of China's founding and coincides with Xi's proclamation that by 2050, 
China will be the superpower on the planet. It's kind of interesting the way they're doing this, where the United States is using military and confiscation and coercion, you know, in other words, bully force. China is using cooperation. They basically go to a country and say, this is what we think you need. This is what you need to trade with us and all our other trading partners. And we will help you design it and engineer it and build it. And we will loan you the money to complete it. This, of course, raises some concerns, which, including debt trap diplomacy, which is kind of, we loan you the money, you don't pay us, and then, you know, we have our way with you. China, of course, says, tis, 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 we would never do that. No, 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 no. But regardless of that, China has been extremely successful in approaching capital-starved countries with vast resources that China, of course, wants and wants to control not only for its own benefit, but because it undercuts the United States, which is really the only country in the world that stands in the way of China and its grandiose and quickly materializing plans to be number one on the planet. The World Bank has done some studies on what the Belt Road Initiative can do in terms of around the globe. It's really interesting to note that since 2013, this is virtually no time, folks, 10 years, there's now 149 participating countries in the Belt Road Initiative. I mean, think about that. And think about how that mirrors the number of countries talking about the BRICS, wanting to join the BRICS, wanting to be part of the new reserve currency backed by commodities. All these things play on one another, and China is really adept and very clever at shaping them into a huge, should we say, pro-developing nation, pro-China, anti-U.S. in the West block. Economic, currency, military, trade, you name it. It's shaping up right before our eyes. And of course, nobody's talking to you about it. The stated objectives of China is to rise peacefully to number one status in the world. They're using the carrot, not the stick. The United States really doesn't have a carrot to extend. You can't even trust its promise to protect you anymore, just ask the Saudis. And the results of this U.S. stick and China carrot, very different approaches, is manifested in the fact that 65%, it's actually close to 70% now, of the world's geography is involved in the Belt and Road Initiative. And a great proportion of that is involved in this rise of the BRICS alternative currency, etc. And it's approaching more than 50% of the world's population. There's been several studies on what China is doing by various Western institutions. And, you know, we'll take them with a grain of salt because they all have their political and ideological anymore axe to grind. But reports from, like, the World Pensions Council and the World Bank, they've estimated that the Belt and Road Initiative, we'll call BRI, can boost trade flows in the 150-plus participating countries by 4.1%. That's big. Think about our GDP, folks. It's, well, it depends who's giving you the facts. It's actually negative, but according to the government, because you can trust them, it's slightly positive right now, but not even 1%. In addition, these big Western think tanks think that the Belt and Road Initiative, and here's a little glimmer of silver for us, will cut the cost of global trade by 1.1 to 2.2%. It just, it'll make the flow of goods and transactions easier. And they think that the GDP of the participating East Asian and Pacific developing countries who are hungry for growth will be boosted by 2.6 to 3.9%. That's pretty big jumps in GDP. 
And they also think that world GDP, and this is about a year ago, so it's actually increased now, will be increased about $7.1 trillion per year by 2040. And this is, as they call it, the reduction of frictions that hamper world trade, unquote. So right now, China is loaning, right? Loaning, pretty clever, $900 billion a year to these developing countries for these various infrastructure projects. And that's a almost 100% jump from several years ago. They, they estimate, putting aside inflation and all sorts of other things, that in the end, they will have $8 trillion in loans outstanding to developing countries for all these improvements. And excuse me, an updated figure, this now includes 65% of the world's population and almost 50% of the global gross domestic product. And that was back like 2017, 2018. I mean, this is a rapidly building tsunami of Chinese power and influence. And of course, this helps China get the yuan or the renminbi as the international standard of currency, their currency. Because obviously, all these transactions, all these loans are being done in yuan. They kind of took a playbook out of the Federal Reserve in the United States dollar-denominated loans through the World Bank and International Monetary Fund. What's kind of interesting is, is, of course, France is now interested in joining. And you probably didn't know it, but Italy, one of the G7, has actually been a partner in the development of the project since March of 2019. I've brought you the stories before of how tied to the hip Italy is to China, particularly in the northern regions of Italy, the garment industries and fabric industries. And China is very clever. They're actually trying to connect Poland, the Baltic states, northern Europe, central Europe, to the Belt Road Initiative through the Maritime Silk Road, and then interconnect all those outfits with East Africa, India, and of course, China itself. And by the way, do you know where China is investing very heavily? You know, the carrot versus the stick? Afghanistan. Hmm. I wonder why they got that air base that we left behind, along with, you know, give or take whatever the Taliban didn't keep. $80 billion in U.S. military hardware. And they're financing this stuff for these countries through various means. Uh, the Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank, the Silk Road Fund, and several others. We're going to talk a little bit more about that next week because really, the way they're doing this is fascinating. I mean, it's really a polar opposite study of how the United States has conducted international business since basically we became King Tut after World War II. And there's lessons to be learned. And it's always nice to know what your enemy, and China is an enemy, is doing. That's working. That you're doing. <laughs> that certainly is not. All right, let me give you a little teaser on what I'm going to be bringing you next week, the history of recessions in the United States. It's pretty obvious why I'm bringing you this information, because you need to have the facts, and you're not being given the facts by the media, big surprise, or by the government, <laughs> no surprise. But the research I'm doing right now, and the statistics that I'm coming up with, which are they're jaw-dropping. I mean, they're really jaw-dropping. They are completely contrary to the nonsense you're being fed. Let's talk about your family's safety. If you listen to this show, you know our aging power grid is more vulnerable than ever. There's been 70 physical attacks on grid stations and countless cyber attacks in the last year. Imagine a blackout lasting days, weeks, months. Look around your house. Water, refrigeration, heat, light would be poof. That's why having your own portable solar power and not relying on a government grid is critical. With a Patriot Power Sidekick from 4Patriots, you get a solar generator that's quick, easy, portable, 
on the go, or even inside. And though only the size of a lunchbox, it's powerful. It'll power your phones, your medical devices, even a mini fridge. A free solar panel, free shipping, and a practically unheard of 365-day satisfaction guarantee. You can get 10% off your purchase using the code RIGHTSIDE at checkout. FORPATRIOTS.COM. Use the code RIGHTSIDE. Get 10% off. FORPATRIOTS.COM. Protect you. Protect your family. Annual mortgage costs as a percentage of household income, they peaked long ago. Remember when rates went to 18% inflation, the whole nine yards, in 1978 to 1982? At between 50 and 55%. In other words, 50 to 55% of your income was going into your housing back then. And then it dropped all the way down to 20 to 25% from 2008 to about, oh, 2018, 2019, right? The time of easy money, printing all those dollars, seven trillion in debt, all that kind of stuff. And now it's back up to 45% as a percentage of household income and rising, I might add. The cost to rent is now becoming better than the cost to buy. And that kind of switched over, oh, sometime around 2019 to 2020. Basically, the average cost to rent in the United States is 18.56 per month. The average cost to buy now in the United States is 2,700 a month. Think about how this will impact the markets, your house values, etc. U.S. existing home sales they peaked at about 5.4, 5.1 million back there in middle of 2022. They're now down to about 4.3 million as of April 2023. That's a big reduction, folks. 20% plus. And it might be interesting to kind of add on to that, that home prices dropped for the very first time in April since 2012, a drop of 4.1% in home prices. And now for the rest of the story. Let's talk about this debt ceiling deal very briefly, because once again, I'm quite sure it's going to change. So McCarthy is now frantically trying to rally his troops, the Republican troops, to back this deal. Biden's trying to do the same with the Democrats. That tells you there's some things in there they kind of like. But in a general overview, without getting into the weeds, the debt limit is suspended for two years. However, not that the Democrats will keep their words, there'll be spending limits. It keeps non-defense spending roughly flat in the 2024 fiscal year, which starts in October, and increases only by 1% the following year. The debt limit is suspended to January 2025, past the next presidential election, of course. And Congress has to approve 12 bills a year, basically one a month, to continue spending. Otherwise, it snaps back to spending limits from the previous year, which is kind of a 1% cut in spending. On the good side of things, if this works and everybody keeps their word, that cuts spending by about $1 trillion a year. We'll see. And we'll see what the quote-unquote official calculations are. Care for military veterans. Okay, it fully funds medical care for veterans as it was originally put forth in the 2024 budget blueprint. And that's a good thing. Unspent money from the COVID-19 spending fiasco and conjured pandemic. It's about $30 billion. That is going away. It is not going to be spent. Well, it's about $7 trillion too late, but it's better than nothing. Funding for the Internal Revenue Service. This was, the Republicans didn't do well on this. They had wanted to cut the $80 billion going to the IRS by about half. Basically, all they got was $1.4 billion out of $80 billion cut. Work for benefits requirements. This was good. Basically, the agreement, as it now stands, would expand work requirements that are attached to SNAP, the Supplemental Nutritional Assistance Program. But the changes are way down from what the Republicans wanted to get, which is an increase in work requirements for able-bodied workers between the 
ages of like 18 and 54. They did get work requirements raised to a maximum age of 54 from 49. And that happens by 2025. But, you know, as with all things in Washington, then it expires in 2030. So we're right back to square one. And the Dems got some more welfare spending in there. Benefits for veterans, which I don't mind. Homeless people. Mm -hmm. Young people that are coming out of foster care. Can we spell illegal aliens, folks? In a mostly good provision, as it now stands. This, By the way, this bill is only 99 pages, which is a welcome change from the 2,500 to 3,000 pages of nonsense and pork barrel crap we've been used to. The bill changes some things in the National Environmental Policy Act, which is the first time in four decades. It would designate a single lead agency. Gee, who's going to appoint those people and how are they going to think? To develop and schedule environmental reviews, so hopefully this will streamline the process for approval for energy projects both fossil, by the way, and renewable. And it finally gets the Shelley Moore, Capito, and Joe Manchin, West Virginia Natural Gas Pipeline, over the hump and approved. And then, of course, student loans. The Republican proposal to rescind the White House's plan to waive, you know, 10 to 20 grand in debt, $1.3 trillion, folks, same as printing money, for all student borrowers is not in the debt ceiling package. On the other hand, the U.S. Supreme Court is due to rule next month on whether Biden even has the power to waive that debt, so we'll have to wait and see what happens there. The Republicans wanted to have new work requirements for Medicaid, or at least some Medicaid recipients. The Democrats successfully blocked that. All these things that are happening in the other 70% of the planet, and the other 65-whatever percent of the population, and 50-whatever percent of global GDP, has an impact right here at home, particularly because of the hole that we have dug ourselves through debt and fiat currency. All right, now we'll get to the last part of the show. Compounding the problems on this debt ceiling nonsense and U.S. budget nonsense and all the other things which are upside down, we now have a Republican congressman, a good one, resigning because his wife is sick. Understood, you know, my heart goes out to them. He's in Utah, unfortunately, in one of the bluer districts in Utah. Now there'll be a special election. This lowers the votes that Republicans control the House by from four to three. Think about that going forward, and you better gear up, Utah. The drumbeat of corruption beats ever louder. It's now a bass drum getting hit and whacked rapidly and loudly. The FBI is still refusing, I brought you this last week, to hand over the documents concerning the bribery investigation or non-investigation, however you want to look at it, or whatever, whoever you want to believe about it, to Congress which they don't have the right to do, of course. And this is after promising to do it. Oh, big surprise, a broken promise. Well, the House on Tuesday, actually the House Committee on Oversight and Accountability, voted to hold Ray in contempt, so that's moving forward, FBI Director Ray. Now, if he is held in contempt, and I think he will be, now we'll see what happens after that. If you remember Obama's wingman, Eric the AG was held in contempt over the Fast and Furious stuff. Nothing ever occurred. And the lackadaisical attitude on the part of the alphabet agencies about this <laughs> corruption, etc. You know the Durham report. I mean, it's pretty damning. And it settles conclusively that whole dispute concerning Russian collusion that's been going on for four years at hundreds of millions of dollars of money out of your pocket, my pocket, for political reasons. And kind of led up to... and maybe precipitated or acted as a catalyst for Putin's invasion of Ukraine. That's a whole nother discussion. But the assistant deputy director of the FBI's counterintelligence unit, remember Strzok and his lover Lisa? That was the unit that did Crossfire Hurricane. 
which is what the Durham report is about. Well, the gal who kind of give or take holds Strzok's position right now, her name is Jill Murphy. She was in Congress last week being questioned by members of the House, and it come to find out that after 12 days of the Durham report being out, she hadn't even read it. It's unbelievable, really. There's some videos on the website, on the rightsideradio.com, under the audio bar, Treason and Corruption. You really need to watch the exchange. This is how deeply these agencies, and it's not just the FBI, the upper echelons, let me emphasize, of the FBI. It's the whole kit and caboodle. This is how deeply they care about corruption, the use of your tax money, and in my opinion, treason. And with this debt ceiling thing and work requirements for welfare, you know, all that kind of stuff, kind of some of it getting done, some of it not getting done, the left-wing press and the left is just bananas. In fact, on CNN State of the Union, Ashley Allison, uh, gag me, is kind of leading the liberal choir of voices who have a fundamental aversion to the Republicans' insistence on work requirements to get taxpayer money. Quote, I think the Republicans' obsession with work requirements are offensive to poor people, assuming that people want to be poor and don't have the fight inside of them to work hard. Unquote. Wow, what a slap down to poor folks. Unbelievable. Once again, don't believe me? Videos under the audio bar. Rat-a-tat-tat and corruption. Then I have some more video for you. Election fraud, rat-a-tat-tat, under the audio bar. It's now been discovered, remember, Kerry Lake's lawsuit is still bubbling down there now at the Supreme Court. It's now been discovered that Maricopa County officials broke the seals on the voting machines after they had been tested, certified, and sealed, and prior to the election. Ah, these same machines, by the way, then malfunctioned, quote-unquote, on election day. So this seems to lead to the malfunction being an intentional act. By the way, these criminal acts, that's what they are under the law, were done on October 14th, 17th, and 18th. And then Maricopa County began secret, secret, logic and accuracy testing, oh, what an oxymoron, on October 14th, after the statutorily required October 11th third-party test. Watch the videos. Unbelievable. But, you know, it's the big lie, folks. There's no election fraud going on anywhere. It's perfect. Unfortunately, it's going on everywhere. Paxton, the AG of Texas, whom I happen to like and who's a huge champion of states' rights, not afraid to take it to the federal government and has on many occasions, big opponent of mandates and masking and vaccine mandates, you name it. He was impeached like overnight, literally overnight, 24 hours, by the Texas House because the Texas House Speaker got his nose out of joint because Paxton pointed out and wanted investigated the fact that he has been showing up drunk to the Speaker of the House's lectern down there. So Paxton has been impeached by the House, like within 24 hours of him sending the demand that the Speaker of the House be investigated. And now his trial is in the Senate. If the Senate votes to uphold the impeachment, Paxton is out, which is a big loss to you and I and red states everywhere. And by the way, one of the things that Paxton was very active on the last month leading up to all this, oh yeah, exposing Soros-backed district attorneys throughout Texas, taking steps to remove them, and oh yes, bringing to the forefront instances of Texas election fraud, which has been rampant, despite the fact Texas does one of the better jobs of the various states in trying to protect against it. You think there's any correlation between all this stuff, folks? And in New York, there's a report from Uncover DC, which is kind of a new peer-reviewed study, kind of a Project Veritas type thing, and was published in the Journal of Information War Warfare 
that confirms a loss of control, that's a quote, in New York's voter database. They found in their investigation that the voter rolls contained, quote, hundreds of thousands of illegally generated registrations, unquote. 2,000 volunteers participated in this audit, by the way. This is a big deal back in New York. Quote, New York State voters are assigned two identification numbers. This study has discovered strong evidence that both numbers have been algorithmically manipulated to produce stenographically concealed record attribute information. So this has created kind of a, quote, secret fraudulent phantom voter infrastructure. And election fraud, based on this study, folks, is built into New York's electoral records. Quote, the exact number is unknown, but it is not less than about 338 thousand registrations active for the 2020 general election. If other elections are included, the number of apparently illegal registration jumps to between 1.2 and 2.4 million. How much did Lee Zeldin lose the governorship by? Oh, imagine that. They took as an example several of these registrations. One of them, and there were a number like this, had a made-up identity and had 22 different voter registrations and requested 22 absentee ballots to be delivered to a leased mailbox. And what they discovered further is that all 62 counties in the state of New York contain these algorithms and that approximately 57% of all the voter ID numbers in the state were produced using those algorithms. But folks, there's no election fraud. It's the big lie, you know, you conspiracy theorists. Oh, and then we have Target. God, we're back to Target. You know, the deeper you dig, the more stinky the hole, the more crapola you unearth. So now it's found that Target, one of its high-ranking executives, also has a concurrent position at GLSEN. This is, this is a really active and kind of rabid gay organization who is actually the collaborator on Target's Pride Month, you know, the bathing suit tuck deal, etc. And GLSEN, by the way, also aggressively pushes gender ideology into K-12 education systems, including developing lesson plans and district-wide policies. The guy's name is Carlos Saavedra, and he is the vice president of Target's brand marketing department. Hmm. Oh, this is how the Pride Month came about. Target's response was GLSEN leads the movement in creating affirming and anti-racist spaces for LBTQIA blah, 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 students. Oh, okay. Quote, we are proud of 10 years of collaboration with GLSEN and continue to support their mission. Unquote. By the way, they support it to the tune of $2.1 million in contributions. Unfortunately, Target's not alone, folks, for all the reasons we've discussed in previous shows, okay? Bud Light is not alone. Miller Light is not alone. Try Walmart, Kohl's, Macy's, Old Navy, The Gap, Apple, and a whole bunch more. How about North Face, all you outdoor aficionados? Did you know that North Face is... (laughs) North Face is in its second year of its Summer of Pride campaign. In fact, North Face this year is using a drag queen who wears an excessive amount of makeup, in my opinion, and a poofy wig to market the campaign. His, her, whatever, name is Patty Gonia. Dylan Mulvaney, the transgender who was sitting in the bathtub sipping Bud Lights for Bud Light, pretends that he, she, whatever, is a teenage girl. Gonia takes a different tact. In his videos, he's dressed in these rainbow-colored dresses with thigh-high hemlines. He's standing in a field surrounded by nature. It's North Face, you know. And urges potential customers to come out hmm, and nature with us. 
By the way, these video ads also include clips of children and teens outdoors. And it's promoted. The ad promoting this ad campaign is featuring a little girl wearing a rainbow-colored North Face jacket. But no, folks, there's no grooming or indoctrination going on here. No, 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 no. Shame on you. Let's talk about COVID and pandemics and purposeful plagues because we haven't touched on that in a long time. And there's been a number of studies over the last two weeks which are just mind blowers, folks, and they are peer reviewed. There's also been admissions by our government agencies who are out there to help us, CDC and FDA that, oh, you know, maybe we made a mistake, but it really wasn't a big mistake and blah, 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 blah. Let's start off with the development of the COVID bug. We all kind of know that story. But guess what Russia now claims they found in Ukraine at these 25 labs that didn't exist, but that did exist, that but that were peaceful purposes that, you know, the whole U.S. litany. They say, the Russians, that they have now collected evidence of avian flu pathogens with a lethality rate, in other words, mortality rate, of up to 40% in humans at the U.S. biolabs in Ukraine. And by the way, that statement was May 26th. That's like a week ago. And they're claiming they have the documents to prove it up. And they say that the documents talk about a plan which is called the Flu Flyway Project. The Flu Flyway Project. The Russians also say that these much more lethal pathogens, you know, gain of function, thank you, Dr. Fauci, have, quote, a high potential for epidemic spread and pose a serious threat to global health security, unquote. The United States, of course, has denied these allegations, you know, just like Wuhan, calling them total nonsense and false narratives. And the U.S. does not fund or operate any biolabs in Ukraine. This is a different story than six months ago, folks. But just provides technical support and equipment to improve the country's public health laboratories. It's a sorry day when you have to think about whether you want to believe Russia or you want to believe your own government. It's a sorry day. Let's talk about some of these new COVID studies. And they're all going to be posted on the COVID page and a couple, because they tie right in, on the COVID litigation page. In fact, there's a bunch of posts on the COVID page. Get yourself updated. This is really, really big news, whether you've been jabbed or whether you haven't. The first study is the Journal of Biological Chemistry. Its title was SARS-CoV-2 Spike Ectodomain Targets A7 Nicotinic Acetylcholine Receptors. Sorry about the lack of pronunciation there, folks. And what these researchers have found, remember, folks, this is a peer-reviewed, mainstream journal. This is the first time these kind of studies have come out ever in the mainstream journals. Quote, the SARS-CoV-2 glycoprotein, this is the spike protein, folks, contains a neurotoxin-like region that has sequence similarities to the rabies virus and the HIV glycoproteins, as well as to snake neurotoxins, which interact with the nicotinic acetylcholine receptors via this region. Let me boil that down for you. The jabs have been found in the study to contain neurotoxins that attack your nervous system, rabies, HIV, and wow, snake venom. I brought you the snake venom thought about nine months ago, never went further with that because it was a non-peer-reviewed study. It was by part of the medical group whom I greatly respect that was trying to bring to light all this nonsense, but there wasn't any substantiation. But now you have mainstream substantiation. If you doubt this, then think about the story that we were fed that how everything evolved in a Chinese bat cave and then spread in a reptilian wet market in China, which obviously we all know now is a total blatant made-up lie. 
By the way, the odds say scientists, and this is scientists who are both, you know, kind of COVIDians and non-COVIDians, the odds of those three ingredients being naturally updated or mutated into a coronavirus, you know, the common cold deal, without human assistance is, I'll quote, so infinitesimal as to be impossible. Of course, all this brings us back to that big question, who really made COVID-19? And then there's another peer-reviewed study that's in the journal Vaccines, another mainstream journal. LG-G4 antibodies induced by repeated vaccination may generate immune tolerance to the SARS-CoV-2 spike protein. Wow, that's a really big deal. This is something that the non-COVIDians, the sane part of the science community, have been jumping up and down about for two years. I've brought you a number of studies from many, many countries. You can go back into the archives and listen to it, where the vaccinated were getting far higher instances of COVID hospitalization and death than the non-vaccinated, and this study kind of explains that. Basically, what it says is that there's a class shift in antibody types when folks start taking the booster shots. In other words, these guys have linked cause and effect. Let me give you a quote. As the immunity provided by these vaccines rapidly wanes, their ability to prevent hospitalization and severe disease in individuals with comorbidities has recently been questioned. And increasing evidence has shown that, as with many other vaccines, they do not produce sterilizing immunity, allowing people to suffer frequent reinfections. By the way, at the same time, the CDC and the FDA, who have now admitted, all these articles are up on the COVID page for you, that, God, these jabs might be dangerous for kids, you know, like 11 to 18 years old. Hmm. This is after two years of having safety signals blowing up in their faces. But back to this study. Let me give you another quote, because this about sums it up. Recent investigations have found abnormally high levels of LGG4 in people who were administered two or more injections of the mRNA vaccines. Emerging evidence suggests that the reported increase in LGG4 levels detected after repeated vaccination with the mRNA vaccines may not be a protective mechanism. Rather, it constitutes an immune tolerance mechanism to the spike protein that could promote unopposed SARS-CoV-2 infection and replication by suppressing natural antiviral responses. Increased LGG4 synthesis due to repeated mRNA vaccinations with high antigen concentrations may also cause autoimmune diseases and promote cancer growth and autoimmune myocarditis in susceptible individuals. Wow. Do you realize what I just read to you from peer-reviewed mainstream study after three years of being fed lies by our government and fraudulent Fauci and the rest of the corrupt, treasonous, anti-human clownsters up there. This is a really big deal. It's also a really big deal for the future litigation and liability of all these people, the government, big pharma, etc. To boil it down for you, tolerance of the spike protein, which is the damaging result of the jabs, along with all this other stuff they're discovering, is autoimmune diseases, cancer growth, they call them turbo cancers, and autoimmune myocarditis. I mean, we have seen story after story. We know, unfortunately, all of us know people who have gotten this turbo cancer. I mean, literally, they are diagnosed and a month or two later, they are dead. And we have all seen repeated hundreds, if not thousands, of videos of TV anchors, radio anchors, sports players just tipping over on the field, myocarditis. Let me give you one more piece from this study, but you, you can read the whole study 
The links are in these articles for yourself, and you can read the articles, which will go into much more detail. Quote, it is worth noting that there are conflicting pieces of information about the level of protection offered by these vaccines. Although the Center for Disease Control in the United States has stated that throughout the pandemic, mortality rates have been higher in the unvaccinated than in the vaccinated. The data in the United Kingdom contradict the CDC's findings. Wow, that's a big slap in the face from an American mainstream medical journal, folks. Specifically, the Office for National Statistics, ONS, in the United Kingdom has reported that from April to mid-November 2021, deaths in unvaccinated people were higher in comparison with vaccinated people who had received a second vaccine dose. However, from the end of November 2021 to December 2022, this situation reverted. Deaths were higher in the vaccinated people who received a third vaccine dose compared with the unvaccinated. By the way, as an aside, the CDC uh, recently had a conference. <laughs> I mean, you, you, it's unbelievable. There was like 1,800 people, all CDC government fully jabbed folks there. Well, it seems there were 181 COVID cases in this gathering about 20%, and 360 people had other kind of adverse effects. Hmm, I wonder what they came from. This is the CDC's own conference, folks, all CDC jab folks. And according to that FDA federally funded study, you know, uh, that they've put off for two years and finally had to do, Quote, children of certain ages who receive Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine face an elevated risk of heart inflammation. Vaccinated children aged 12 to 17 face a heightened risk of myocarditis, a form of heart inflammation and related condition called pericarditis. The elevated risk was present within seven days of vaccination, according to the data. Okay. What happened to all those arguments that uh, the kids needed it? I mean... <laughs> That there was no adverse effect. Safe and effective, folks. On the COVID legal side, three people, three people. Remember, the VAERS reports are now about a million, two or a million three adverse effects from these jabs. And that's just a fraction because it's voluntary reporting. Three people have received compensation from the U.S. government for their COVID jab injuries. But there's 7,700 people who have applied. They're still awaiting a decision. And 362 applications have been flatly denied, folks. It seems that government officials are superseding the medical opinions of actual doctors in order to have a foundation to deny compensation to the vast majority of applicants who want some money for being lied to and suffering adverse, in many cases, material adverse effects from the quote-unquote vaccine. There's a great video from Robert Malone also on the website. You should listen. Remember, he's the guy who originally developed the RMNA technology. And you can hear it under the audio bar, Family Safety, and I have it up on the COVID page. Here's something important, okay? I know a lot of my listeners have taken a jab or two jabs or three jabs or whatever, and many have not. No aspersion is made. No judgment is made. Everybody had their reasons. Some people really thought they were being patriotic. They believed the psyops that was being thrown at them by Big Farm and the government. Others were told by folks who did believe all that psyops that they couldn't see their grandkids, they couldn't see their kids, whatever it was. I'm not here to make judgments. On the COVID page, we have placed in the past several articles by renowned international doctors. We're posting another one this week about what you can do to remove this spike protein from your system, no matter how many jabs you've had. Is it guaranteed to work? No. Is it shown to be effective in some people? Yes. Is it worth a try? Absolutely. Remember, I mean, don't 
sit there and worry and despair. Not everyone who was vaccinated, quote-unquote vaccinated, how about jabbed, will experience an adverse event. It depends on a lot of factors. Your health, the dosage, the number of doses, the time since the last dose. The vaccine batches, according to the CDC, if you can believe them, 50% of adverse events occur within two days of the vaccination. 46% of the deaths occur within the first two months. Now, I can't tell you whether that's true or not. I tend not to believe anything they say. And obviously, they would like to cover up people who get sick six months or 12 months later because it's all part of the psyops that everything is safe and effective, you know. I mean, now they're at the point to admitting, well, gee, for two days after to two months after, you know, if you get sick, it might be the jab. But it's in their best interest, folks, to cover up the long-term effects, the six months, the 12 months, the two years. The folks who have had cancer treatment and remission and are now doing fine or have never had cancer who suddenly a year and a half after the jab develop a turbo cancer and are dead a month later. I mean, I can't tell you that. I'm not a scientist. All I can do is bring you all these facts from all these sources. But what's important is that we now have another article in addition to the ones that we've posted before on the steps that you can take to try and mitigate any damage which may have occurred or might occur in the future if you took the jabs for whatever reason you did. And you know what? You owe it to yourself and you owe it to your family and you owe it to your country to be healthy. And I might add that these are not big protocols. Different types of fasting, hydration, vitamin D, NAD, other things like that. I mean, it's very well worth reading. If not for you, then maybe you have a friend who's in that position. We're out of time. Look at the mirror. Repeat with conviction. I will muster. I will stand. I will not comply. I will never give in. I will never stop fighting. I will join with those in these United States and across the globe who love freedom as I do. And we will win. Read Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side Radio. Keep the wind at your back. We'll talk at you next week. Please remember, if you've missed any shows, just click on Show Archive and you'll find all of his shows. We look forward to seeing you here again next week for another episode of Reed Lance Rosenthal on the right side.